This is Tech Talk Today, episode 272. Welcome into Tech Talk Today. My name is Chris. And I'm Angela. Hello, Angers. We have a stacked Friday show today. It's technically our Thursday show, but it comes out on Friday, so we can pretend like it's Friday. Which is why we are drunk, right? Wait, what? (laughs) Oh, is it just me? Just me. Okay, no. (laughs) Let's start actually with a story that was one of our biggest stories on the Monday show. And that's this whole situation with Russia blocking Telegram. If you didn't catch last show, let me recap for you. A Russian court has ordered that access to the Telegram messenger service should be blocked, according to the state-run news agency TASS. Last week, Russia's state communications watchdog filed a lawsuit to limit access to the app after the company refused to give Russian state security services access to its users' secret messages. The FSB agency says it wants access so it can read messages and prevent future terror attacks in the country. Telegram failed to meet an April 4th deadline to hand over the encryption keys. The company said the way the service was built means it has no access to customers' keys. TASS reported that on Friday the Russian government started to enforce the court ruling. Telegram's lawyers say the official attempt to stop the app being used in Russia is groundless. So that was last Friday. Then fast forward to Monday and we were sort of laughing. Like the the uh, attempt so far to block Telegram mostly extended to just blocking its website. Yeah, through the ISP. Yeah, we have a complete picture now. Telegram, to avoid getting blocked, moved some of their services in Russia over to AWS and Google Cloud. Mm-hmm. And so it made it more difficult to block. So then after a couple of days go by, the Russian government made the move to just block the IP ranges of AWS and Google Cloud altogether. Which means the residents of Russia now no longer have access to, to some Amazon and Google services. Most of the Internet. I mean, let's be yeah. honest. So much okay. of the Internet runs on that stuff. Uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, of course, Google owned IPs, obviously. But it also means things like Twitch and uh, gaming services were uh, unaccessible uh, by Russians. And I got a I got a note from a listener who said, this is great. So what? Really? Why? Yeah. Oh, this is great. The game is so much easier without all the Russians in there killing me now. Ah! <laughs> Wow. Yeah. But Telegram is still downplaying the significance of this block. Yeah, yeah. That seems to be the case. Uh, Pavel, who is the owner of Telegram, the founder of it, uh, he's been shrugging it off, saying that they really haven't seen a significant user drop-off yet. And, uh, you know, it's no big deal. He says they moved some of their infrastructure around again, uh, but there's still collateral damages. The Russian government's just going to try to then block the areas that they move to. Reuters is also reporting that Russian state's telecommunications regulator has asked Google and Apple to just remove the damn app from their app stores. So that way new users cannot install it. Although we haven't mm-hmm. seen um, a response by Google or Apple as of this recording yet. Speaking of Apple and iPhones, there might be some good news for me. Totally put the story in for you, Ange. I know. Uh, Rumors are percolating because of some leaks that have come out this week. Discovered by, I think you say, Konzomac. They've referenced a handful of yet unannounced iPhone models that have a bunch of identifiers that are brand new. Now, typically, you will start to see these appear in the database that the leak came from about a month before the products actually ship. And the iPhones that are referenced in there go beyond the iPhone X and the current models. Uh, And speculation is that it could be a new iPhone SE 
that uh, wasn't uh, hasn't been updated since March of 2016. So you do for like an I know. Actually, I think I feel like I got a lemon of a phone because right away I was having issues with the camera, and it's only getting progressively worse. Mm. So, um, but but at the same time, like I think I just got this one. I think it's been two years. Yep. Maybe. Or so if Apple updated your phone, put a new processor in there, did a bump on the storage, did a bump on the camera, would you be happy? Because that's probably all you're going to get with the SE. Yeah, I think so. Though I think literally there's one more payment left on this phone. Then it must be that must be it. That <laughs> yeah. must that is <laughs> that, totally how they do this it. This is why they're doing it. Yep. Yeah, that's how that system works. So we may see uh, new news about iPhones. Uh, in the next few days, mm-hmm. would you just you're going to jump on it, aren't you? You should. I don't know. If you use the camera so freaking much. I know. With those kids, I know. I just have a hard time, and you know, ah, I just don't know. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's because we grew up in a time when these were just phones. Well, so I they're just, still like, just phones to us. But like, but people that are younger than us, they look at it as like their primary device. So it's yeah. like oh, it's no doubt. Of course, it's my most important device, and it might actually be your most important device. It is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Isn't I, that weird? I like using things until. The very end, you know. You might be no, you might be nigh, you may be <laughs> nigh. You got camera woes. I feel bad for you, son. Yeah. This is something that may get you to buy an Amazon Echo. Maybe, maybe. Is it the really cool owl um, speaker cover that it has? No, that's uh, adorable. Go to, yeah, go to Amazon.com and look at that. They have. That? I almost linked it to you, but I then I knew you were going <laughs> to buy it, so I didn't. I shouldn't do this. Uh, so this is called. Um, I'm going to use the word echo, echo blueprints, but you know what I'm saying. I'm, I'm saying the A word without triggering your stuff. And it lets anyone create a custom skill and response without having to write a line of code. Amazon has introduced this just this morning, calling it A blueprints, A word blueprints. Mm-hmm. And it's a new way for owners of the echo to create their own customized skills. And those skills could include helpful helpful information for, say, your babysitter, which could be triggered by the command, hey, tube, open my sitter app, Um you build your own skill, you create your own custom echo responses, and then when users visit the website blueprints.amazon.com, you select a template and you're off to go. There's 20 templates they're launching with from categories like fun and games, at home, storyteller, learning and knowledge. And a lot of these templates are just completely pre-filled. You could almost just use them as is. You fill in your own content, you give it a name, you click publish, and now it's paired to your specific Amazon device with your Amazon account. It's not open to the public. It's just available to you for better or for worse. You create the custom skill and then you'll have a skills you've made web page on the Blueprints website to review them all. And uh, it's sort of a, it reminds me of HyperCard. It's a visual wizard-based layout where you fill in the information, select responses, um, create your own adventure story, things like that, submit, boom, now it's on your Echo. So I thought that it already did this like, isn't this the point of the Echo is that you can use a lot of different, you know, but is this is this, this just is, because it's not wide? It's basically like apps for the Echo, like, you know, like you don't have don't, um, well, you're not far off. You can already do it with skills. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, like we have a fart skill on ours, obviously. So obviously the but this is now the ability for just average consumers to create their own skills without having to write code, without having to come up with a server back end to host the code and. Okay, so the what it could do was fairly limited in in the beginning. It was only available to, to to developers. You had to be like oh, a legitimate developer. I see. Yeah, and now this is like for parents. Okay. Um so I'll give you well, an example like mm-hmm. uh 
Uh, you could write uh, a babysitter skill mm-hmm. that where you put in specific information for where Dylan's allergy medication is. So the babysitter can say, hey, Tube, where's Dylan's allergy medication? Mm-hmm. That's only applicable to you. And you don't want to learn. To, uh, you don't want to become a developer just so that way you could have automation right. like that. Um, or pet sitter, same thing. They have like a pet sitter template where you can tell it where your favorite, your animal's favorite toys and food are at and what, what requests you have in notes. So then, so like, let's say I have a sitter coming over. Do I say, hey, Echo, switch to sitter mode? Open my sitter app or something like that. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. Now can the sitter un- close it? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Okay. I well. don't think there's security models around it, but it's okay. m- it's more meant for like giving info to house sure. guests or sitters. Another example that I think is kind of neat is storyteller mode, and they have adventure, fairy tale, sci-fi, and and fable oh, or fable. Fable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you can create like an interactive sci-fi story with a far-out theme. The kids love that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. And then it's got flashcards, and you can create. So if you wanted to help the kids study, you could make custom flashcards for them, and quizzes, and challenges, and stuff like that. And wow. that is something they do use. How are they just now coming out with this? That's, where, that, that's why I'm like yeah. mind blown. Like I thought the whole point of the Echo is to do these types of things. It's still early days. It is still yeah. early days. Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, this is good. It's a good. I think it's a good direction. There was a lot of apps like this that people were making, but they weren't. They weren't like specifically created for your family, sure. right? They were just generic like state facts and dog facts <laughs> right. and dog quiz, which right. they love, but they're just super generic. Like we could actually make like a Levi quiz, and they could mm-hmm. we could put trivia in there. In their video, they have a birthday party. And all the kids are over for a birthday party, and they created a custom trivia game about the kid's birthday. And oh, cool! The kids that answer the correct question get a prize and stuff like that. It's it's neat. I, the house sitter, babysitter, pet sitter thing is more of that's like I kind of see that you know like a custom thing with information, emergency contact info, things mm-hmm. like that. And then you combine it with the, the, with the fact that these things can make phone calls too. It might it might eventually be very powerful. So I think yeah, I think you're right. I might actually end up you know, using something like that, because as of right now, like I write lists. So maybe, maybe the days of writing lists are over. Mm. And then, you know, they're starting with 20 templates and they're just going to grow that. It's going to be Absolutely. way more. It's going to cover a lot of things. It'll be, it'll be an area I watch because I have seen it p- get pretty good traction with the kids. They love talking to the lady tube. Hey, Ange, before we go any further, something's got a lot of traction in my life and your life and the whole JB network, DigitalOcean. We use it for behind the scenes stuff. We use it for our production stuff. We even use it for our personal stuff. It's simple cloud hosting on demand. You can get started in less than 55 seconds and everything is SSD powered. From the lowest cost rig to the highest cost rigs, everything's using super fast SSDs, 40 gigabit connections coming to the hypervisor, There's a dozen data centers around the world that you can choose from and a beautiful, elegant dashboard to manage all of it. And then to make it even better and easier and automated, because I love that these days, it's got an API that's clear, clean, and easy to implement and tons of open source applications already built around it. And recently, DigitalOcean has introduced flexible droplets. For $15 a month, you can mix and match resources most appropriate for your application. You need more CPU? Do it. You need a lot of RAM? They can go up to hundreds of gigs of RAM. DigitalOcean.com. Do.co slash action. Go there and get a $100 credit. Do.co slash action. $100 credit for 60 days after you create a new account. Try out the flexible droplets. Try the CPU optimized droplets if you have a massive compute task or play around with their new S3 compatible spaces. It is so cool. Plus, they have a network-based firewall monitoring that'll graph your performance and alert you when systems go down, and templates to build entire application stacks with one click and deploy it 
or deploy a base rig and build it from the ground up. Do.co slash action. And a big thank you to DigitalOcean for sponsoring Tech Talk Today. Do.co slash action. There's been a lot of talk about self-driving cars, and we covered it last season, but nobody's really talking about self-driving boats. And if you think about it, this might be an easier problem to solve. This really could be. And that's why startups, which we're about to talk about, and major firms that you've heard of before, like Rolls-Royce, are looking into automating boats, all kinds of boats, from personal enjoyment craft all the way up to massive shipping boats. And the AP recently ran a piece on why this just makes a ton of sense. The technology is basically already there and good to go for boats. Now they just got to figure out a business plan. We think autonomous technology will be, uh, for the maritime space, will be adopted faster than autonomous technology on road. The oceanic environment is the perfect domain uh, for autonomy. You know, it has the wide open operating spaces. It has uh, relatively slower speeds when compared to cars um, and not a lot of uh, um, civilian life that could possibly run out in front of you as well. And what we want to do is create a technology that, that makes it safer than what we're doing right now. And as soon as it is safer and cheaper, I think you're going to see that happening. And so um, I think the companies that are working on it are figuring out how to make this a, a business reality. But, but the technology is, is, is mostly here. Autonomous ships are an area of particular interest for the International Maritime Organization, which the IMO, which is the organization that sets the standards for international waters, safety regulations, and it's launched uh, a big investigation to analyze the impact of autonomous boats. And it's from so it's from these international organizations down to a small company in upstate New York called Buffalo Technologies. And we'll have a link in the show notes, Tech Talk Today slash 272. And they're working right now with existing large shipping boats. Buffalo Automation works with three shipping companies and is using the self-driving technology on several large freighters. Right now, the captain still pays close attention to what's going on, but Vikram says the technology is learning from the person behind the wheel. So we have encoders uh, that learn essentially from the captain. So if you steer port 40, we want to see how that changes when there's bad weather. Buffalo Automation recently secured almost a million dollars in investments. Not bad for a company started just three years ago by a few engineering students at UV. Josh Bazan, 7 Eyewitness News. Yeah, they got $900,000 for, for the startup, uh, and uh, it's a pretty cool story. They have, uh, they have some links on their website if you want to check it out, buffaloautomation.com. And you can see where they started with personal crafts, and now they're going up to these large shipping uh, ships. And I like that they're taking the input from the captains mm-hmm. and then encoding that as instructions back to the computer. Right. It seems so clear this is way easier to automate than cars. The only thing about boats is they need like a couple of miles sometimes to change course. So mm-hmm. they're going to they're gonna have to have longer ranges. Sure. And when they're out in the deep seas, you know, they're going to be able to need to communicate directly with each other. So that's a particular technical challenge. I suppose they're satellite, but... And foreign foreign seas, too. Sure. You, you got to standardize all of that yeah. stuff. Otherwise, you can have boats yeah. crashing into each other. I know. Other. Well, you know what? I think of is like all the end of days movies where the boat's in the middle of New York City or, you know, something yeah, crazy yeah. like that. Or like, you know, <laughs> take this technology 100 years down the road. Nobody knows how to drive their own car. Nobody knows how to fly their own plane. <laughs> Nobody knows how to drive their own boat, mm-hmm. sail their own boat, you know? Yep. And then the system goes down. Uh, but at the same time, uh, the, the shipping companies are like, we can save 
millions because we lose so much money when a captain because of bad weather crashes into the rocks at a dock. Okay, I was going to say I was I was curious where the money savings comes in cuz like it's not that expensive to have have one or two people yeah, man yeah. the ship, all, you know, all switching things, ships. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, if it can avoid a disastrous yeah, That's their thinking. Crash. Safe they they believe safety goes way up. And even in the early tests, they've shown that and they believe that they're going to have less collisions. Like, I guess the most common, which totally makes sense, is when they're docking. That's when there's the most problems. And they think the computers are going to be better at that because once they automate the boats, then they automate the other side of it. And it's like... Yep. Way safer, they think. Bob's your uncle. Bob is indeed, they think. And I've always thought it's going to start with large vessels first. Uh, Shipping trucks. You know, I totally think uh, that's the next big thing to automate is probably the large shipping trucks that are driving across the highways of the U.S. When you're going when you're going east to west across the U.S., there is just hundreds of miles of nothing but land and open, empty, straight highway. Uh, there's really no reason that the truck drivers need to be cognizant during that stretch. Wow. <laughs> right? They yeah. just, if they just really, once it starts approaching a busy city or gets to the off-ramp, then the truck driver takes back over sure. and he's driving around off the highway or the freeway. But when you're on the freeway going 300 miles through Wisconsin or 300 miles through Wyoming, mm-hmm. you don't really need to be awake and alert that whole time if everything's self-driving. It seems sure. like that's where it would start is these large vehicles, yeah. the shipping things. UPS trucks, even drones and boats. And so, yeah, boats are on the way. We may see automated boats well before we see automated cars. Let's talk about Reddit for a moment. Whenever I get a chance to talk about Reddit, I I like to because it's just this fascinating uh, microcosm of the Internet. It's it's bigger than you might think. Reddit now has as many active users as Twitter. I have such a hard time believing that. But it's just. Yeah, it's just. I don't. But you know what? Both of them don't fit my brain. You know. Yeah. I, they they're they're not my preferred. I I actually would not be surprised if it had quite a bit more than Twitter because Twitter is so full of bots and people that are automated posting and whatnot that I think oh. it gives a false sense of activity. Whereas there's definitely bots on Reddit, but there's so much. Um, it's it's really also a message board. It's a social karma system. There's so many other aspects to Reddit that draw people in and hook them. Sure. So just below Reddit is uh, a Baidu system that uh, we're not familiar with, but it's in the same, but but proportionally they're the same size as Skype. So Reddit is larger than Skype, LinkedIn, Viber, Snapchat, uh, Pinterest, or Telegram. Wow. Just above Reddit in the like active users metric. That's the re- that's the one we're going by. Uh, above them is Tumblr, Instagram, WeChat, Facebook Messenger, WhatsApp, YouTube, Facebook, Facebook Clear Leader. Uh, rapid growth, though, that's what's interesting about this story is the this has been verified by uh, I can't say the word because it'll trigger your lady tube, but a company that is named the same thing as a lady tube that is responsible for measuring web traffic has been for a long time and also Reddit's own data that they released recently. They are showing an increase of more than thirty percent. In the last six months of active users, that puts them equal to 11th place in the global social media platform ranking. Uh, and they're growing fast. That's been verified by other other sites, too. But the biggest part that's really going to make Reddit some money isn't how many users, but how engaged they are. The average user on Reddit spends 15 minutes and 47 seconds on Reddit each day. Compared to, like, say, a heavy Facebook user on average spends 11 minutes on Facebook. Uh, An average or to heavy Twitter user spends 6 minutes and 23 seconds a day on Twitter. So to put this in context, even if Reddit's 330 million active users, which is like the damn size of the U.S., 
only visit the site once each month, the combined time that those users will spend on the platform this year is equivalent to 120,000 years of human time. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah. Wow. Uh, users on Reddit spend more time on Reddit than they spend on porn. <sighs> Well, there is porn on Reddit. That's so. true. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, how are they judging this? Uh, but, okay. <laughs> total time spent on the site on Pornhub is lower than total time spent on Reddit for for an active user. Okay. Isn't that something? Well, it's not injected it's with make a ton money. of um, you know, ads and chat bots and yeah. You but know. that 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 metric, we have more engagement than porn sites. I feel like is a it's something that's going to sell to advertisers. <laughs> yeah. I don't know where Reddit's going. It huh. actually kind of concerns me. I'll link in the show notes to a post on SelectAll about um, a gentleman who worked for Reddit. He came on board as part of uh, Reddit Gifts in 2011, and uh, he kept it going there. It just just uh, left a little while ago, and he's extremely critical of how Reddit works internally and thinks that it's toxic and it's going to hold Reddit back. High-level version is it's growth at all costs. They don't care if there's something dangerous on the site. They don't care if um, they're never going to make a profit. The board just wants growth. They want a billion users, and they don't care what it takes to get there because uh, they feel like once they get there, they'll be able to make tons of money. And so that's their current goal right now. So you can, uh, you can model a lot of Reddit's recent decisions uh, around how can we get more users. Remember the Microsoft story? Yeah. Now, to recap, for those of you who don't remember, it's something Angela and I, I mean, I don't know, I think we started talking about it around Tech Talk Today 20, and this is 272. <laughs> so this Microsoft story has been going on for a really long time. And in the case, it's the United States versus Microsoft. It came up a few years ago. There's a drug, there was a drug case that the United States was pursuing, and they needed information on a Microsoft user in Dublin, Ireland. And they got a warrant. And Microsoft said, no, you don't have any jurisdiction in Dublin for something that's a, about a drug case in New York. And it was a federal drug case. So of course, the federal government didn't stop there. Microsoft fought back. They challenged the warrant that they were given and they pushed it into the courts. Microsoft won some battles. Microsoft lost some battles. And it's now wound up at the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court was about to make the decision if Microsoft should hand over information on a citizen outside the United States jurisdiction to a United States federal prosecutor. But uh, that case, which would have been a massive landmark case, which would have set precedence for a very long time, and we don't know in which way it would have gone, is now completely and totally irrelevant, and Microsoft has totally withdrawn their fight. New at noon, the Supreme Court dismissed a dispute between the Trump administration and Microsoft. The government wanted access to emails stored overseas as part of a drug trafficking investigation. The justices agreed that last month's passage of the Cloud Act in Congress as part of the spending bill resolves the dispute. The measure updated a 32-year-old law that governs how authorities can get electronic communications held by tech companies, making it clear the government can obtain those emails. Yeah, they resolved it. They resolved it by making a law saying they can have it. So originally wow. what they were using was a 1986 law, mm -hmm. from, which does not represent yeah. digital age at all. No. Doesn't, you know, cloud computing, global data centers all over the world. You know, Microsoft was making spreadsheet software in 1986. Yeah. Uh, they still are, but that's their main thing. Um, but on March 23rd of this year, the Congress passed the Cloud Act, mm -hmm. which you heard in that clip there. Uh, it's 
it's it's short for there's, I hate how they do this. They backronym the hell out of this stuff. So the Cloud Act is short for Clarifying Lawful Overseas Use of Data Act. Wow. <laughs> that's, that's a pretty good acronym. It's a backronym. Uh, so the new law, unlike the one from 1986, clearly gives the federal government access to that information. So Microsoft withdrew and said, here's the information? Well, they, they, now that's the law of the land. So they did. Yeah, they did. Uh, wow. they, they withdrew with, uh, this is their quote, Microsoft lawyers. There is no reason for this court to resolve the legal issue that is now only of historical interest. And they're done. Wow. Yeah. So uh, I guess, you know, that just shows you when the federal government really wants to be able to do something, <laughs> they'll just they'll just make it happen. I, you know, and I got to give props to Microsoft for trying to fight that for as long as they did. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, it's too bad. It's, it's kind of a shame because I think that could have been some good precedent had they won. Absolutely. All right. Brace yourself, Andrews, because it's time for our Kickstarter Kick it! of the week. And you found a real gem this week. It's unique. I've never seen anything quite like this. It's really for musicians, and it's a ring that you put on your finger and allows you to change the music, sample it with hand gestures. Live. Live, yeah, in real While time. you're playing. It's so cool. In fact, we'll play you a little example. So we have uh, the creators of the Kickstarter playing the piano, mm-hmm. and it starts out pretty simple, and you'll start to hear variations in the music. Those variations are from them twisting their finger as they play. It's all on the piano. Right there, that. All of the tweaks and the changes in there were all on a piano. While they're pressing down the piano key, they're wiggling their finger. The ring is detecting that. This is getting some real traction. They had a goal of $61,000. They've already raised $80,000 with 260 backers and 27 days left to go. I think they've got a unique product here. Hi, Kickstarter. My name is Damien, co-founder and CEO of Enhancia. As a musician, I believe that music should be played the way you feel it. Every intention, every micro gesture should be captured to reflect the intensity of your emotion. That's why we imagined Neova. Neova is a connected ring that allows you to control musical effects with natural hand gestures. Vibrato, bend, tilt, wave, and roll. Like every other MIDI controller, Neova can be assigned freely to any effect from your DAW or from your digital instrument. We have been closely working with over 50 musicians in order to capture the finesse of each individual. The ring can now identify extremely natural gestures and faithfully interpret each subtlety into musical expression. It's pretty neat. So you heard they've got those different types that are built in, but it's really just sensing your motion. Yeah, it is really. And it's natural. Like you can still continue playing, but just shift your hand a little bit and it and it adapts. It's just. Yeah. They had an event at a booth and they had well-skilled piano players stop by and just start. They put the ring on and start playing. And within 10 seconds, they figured out how to use it. It seems very, very natural. I think the price is going to be around $300 when it becomes a commercial product because an early Kickstarter price is 
hundred ish. It's like two forty five for like a Kickstarter discount. Yeah. Um, but people are throwing in on this thing, and it it really is already a product. They just haven't mass produced it yet, so it seems like it's a pretty safe bet. And it has a charging cradle that you put it in uh, that hooks up to your computer over USB. That's probably how you program it too. And then it communicates back to that base, so it's not some flaky wireless connection right, either. Right, right. And it, uh, I would love to see some dubstep done with that. Womp, 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 you know? Totally, totally, yeah. You <laughs> but, got, they get a little dubby in some of their demos in the video. Yeah. And what's interesting is at the beginning of the video, they show all three of uh, three people, probably all founders, I don't know, um, wearing them. And one's playing a keyboard, one's playing something else, and they're all playing something different. And, and it's they're using the ring. But... You don't see any wires, but then later when they show the musicians at the thing, there that you can see the wire. So that that was it. I think it's because it was a a prototype. Uh, it they uh, say in the configuration of it, it has a fifteen meter wireless range. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um. And then and then the ring itself will have an eight hour battery, so you can use. Nice. Yeah, I know eight hours. Uh, and then you put it in the uh, cradle, and mm-hmm. it wirelessly charges. In the little cradle that it sits in. And it's not obnoxiously huge either. No. No, it's not. It's 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 about the size of a mood ring. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. the and then the base is about the size of a large trackball. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, with like a ball in the middle. And that's it. That's the whole thing. And it's up on Kickstarter. If you want to get in on it, I mean, I don't know how many people we have in the audience would be into something like that. But damn, I, I, my mind was going like, what else could I use it for? Because they're really, they're building in support for DAWs like Audition and Pro Tools and, and Apple Logic. But my thinking was like, could I use it to navigate the UI? Like how neat would it oh, be if I could wow. like, like when we're watching them filter and I have it on my finger, could I like use it to scrub 10 seconds or five seconds by like just moving my hand back and forth? Like well, here's the Minority problem. report. <laughs> you know how you itch your nose? <laughs> like, <laughs> like a dog? <laughs> yeah. You know, like it would like, you'd be like a DJ mixing <laughs> All right, that's 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 fair enough. That's that's fair, I guess. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, I think then your description is is not accurate. <laughs> no, no, actually, it is. It is. But you can find a link to this and all the stuff we talked about today. Techtalk.today slash two seventy two and go check out this cool ring. I don't. They don't actually say if it's Bluetooth or what the communications is between the base station. They're trying to make it all seem magical, but they've really thought through a lot of this. It's just worth it. If you want to see an example of a great Kickstarter with tons of good imagery and thought put into it, it's just great for that too. Yeah. Well, we should probably get out of here because Noah's going to be rolling in any minute now. Yeah, his plane might be touching down as we wrap up here. Noah's coming in. Then we're going to just destroy the studio like we do every year before Linux Fest Northwest. Yep. Just destroy it. Redo uh, our OBS machine. Redo some of the soundboard settings. Redo one of our Skype machines, our master recorder. It's going to be it's going to be fun, actually. And then if you think about it, that means technically what? We have two Tech Talk Todays left before Linux Fest Northwest. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Yep. We're going to start having people coming into town yeah. and working on projects, pre-recording some things with special guests. Yeah. And uh, if you're a Patreon, you might get some behind-the-scenes information and video on what we are doing. Totally. Totally. Yeah, I absolutely intend to do that. Patreon.com slash Signal. Unless I lose an arm, we'll be getting at least some updates. So you never know when we're doing all this crazy stuff. <laughs> also, consider giving us some feedback or ideas or things you'd like to see us talk about or cover in this here show. New things we still have this season left. Let us know what we can do to shape and mold the show into something you'd like. TechTalk.today slash contact. Follow the network on Twitter at Jupiter Signal. I'm at Angers. And I'm at Chris L-A-S. That's the show for today. That was so much content. We look forward to giving you your tech news at the beginning of next week.